0: Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Friday, November 20th, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlanda is here with me. Today we are continuing our series, finishing our series, of short episodes dedicated to the teams ranked in the top 10 of my top 25 and one. We've already done 10 through 2. So today we're going to focus on the team I have ranked first this preseason, and that team is the Gonzaga Bulldogs. The Zags finished 31-2 last season, went 3-0 and against the Pac-12. Only losses were to Michigan and BYU, so they were 31-2 and two with zero losses outside of the top 16 at Ken Palm. They finished number two at Ken Palm behind only Kansas, and they would have been a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, but the stupid pandemic messed that up. For the top six scores from that team, are gone but i still have the zags ranked number one because i still think they're going to be awesome that's why i have them number one in the top 25 and one so let's start here norlander are you on board with me or do you think there's a decent chance we're going to look up in january and say man 2020 sure did suck and boy i don't know why we all thought gonzaga would be awesome after losing its leading score two of its top three scores and four of its top six scores I don't think that's going to happen. Last season, Mark
1: Few said that he thought the team that wound up being 31 and 2, coming off a group that was 33 and 4, went undefeated in the WCC, was a one seed that made the Elite Eight. That was the 2018 19 group. Okay. So that group was tremendous, but it lost Brandon Clark, Rui Hachimura. Most notably, by far, their two best players, but also lost a pretty critical player in Josh Perkins. So heading into the 2019-20 season, Mark Few, and he's now since publicly kind of talked about this, but he, he mentioned it to me off record leading into the season where he just he felt like last year's group was as uncertain a team as he had had in a long time, like more than a decade. What happens? I mean, it, it goes on to be really... One of his three or four best teams ever and finished number one in offensive efficiency. That's the second straight season that Gonzaga did that and in, in doing so becomes really one of the the great Gonzaga teams. I don't expect this group to have much of a fall off because I do think the players that return are significant and they will wind up being uh, pretty damn important. And then you'll like Drew Timmy is going to be a huge breakout player. There's really nothing to suggest that he won't be very, very good this season. Kispert returning is big, Ayayi returning is obviously huge. So I don't think that they're going to fall off offensively. You know, I I just... I I like what they have there. I know Petrušev leaving is is significant. Uh, Woolridge gone. Gilder was not... He was not what they thought he'd be. Uh, Tilly leaving. He... I mean, Tilly played 24 games. He wasn't available as a healthy player all but maybe three or four last season. So, no, I think this is... Honestly, I want to say this is right next to Villanova to be like the safest pick to uh, and safe is relative. I mean, this, you know, 30, 40 percent chance, but it's the safest pick to project as a one seed whenever we get to the 2021 tournament.
0: You know, I was more unsure of last season's team than this season's team for the exact reasons you noted. And I remember talking to Mark Few in advance of that season and he was, he seemed a little unsure about what he was going to have too. And I sort of jokingly said, I'm sure you'll figure it out. But I didn't necessarily think 31 and 2 with no losses outside of the top 20 at, at Kenpom. But that's exactly what they were. Um, just some history for people who aren't diehard Gonzaga fans. This has developed into one of the most consistently awesome programs in America. You know, Mark Few might have an opportunity to retire without having ever missed an NCAA tournament. like That will not surprise me if he retires someday without ever missing the NCAA tournament. He's made 20 straight, and it would have been 21 straight last season if we would have held the tournament. He's sitting at 599 career wins. His career record is 599-124. He has won 82.8% of the games he's coached at the Division I level. Gonzaga, as a school, has been to 21 straight NCAA tournaments. The last miss was 19 I was a junior in college, for crying out loud. Gonzaga has won 37, 32, 33, and 31 games in the past four seasons. It's 133 total, including a cut short season last season. They're averaging 33.3 wins per season over the past four years, and they have made at least the Sweet 16 in each of the past five seasons elite eight 2015 when they lost to duke in houston duke of course eventual national champion sweet 16 in 2016 title game in 2017 lost to north carolina they were up 65 63 with 101 seconds left lose the game 2018 go to sweet 16 2019 elite eight last season no tournament but would have been a one seed you can reasonably assume they would have at least been in the sweet 16 so if you're wondering why we can uh, comfortably uh, feel that Gonzaga is going to be reliably good is because they've been doing it for two decades. It is an awesome top-shelf program. So, yeah, they lose Petrushev, Killian Tilly, Adam Gilder, Ryan Woolridge, and that's, that's not nothing. I mean, that's, that is the first, third, fourth, and sixth leading scores from that team it combined 51.9 points per game. But from talking to people around the program, I think – They lost Philip Petrushev, who would have been a preseason first-team All-American. He was a second-team CBS Sports All-American after last season. They lose him. They lose Killian Tilly, who just signed a two-way deal with the Grizzlies. And I think, privately, they would—I think they think they might be better in the front court, even though they lost those two guys, with Anton Watson and Drew Timmy. Timmy, you're exactly right. If you are— in some sort of weird competition with people who don't really follow college basketball closely, and you're trying to predict breakout star, Drew Timmy is the best uh, best name to throw out there. He should be a monster on a preseason number one team, which automatically makes you an All-America candidate.
1: No doubt about it. And then there's also Jalen Suggs, who uh, apparently is coming along pretty well. A few told me that he had some struggles, uh, kind of, you know, just typical freshman struggles, build, you know, building up to the season. He might not be an immediate impact kind of guy right away, but um, this is someone who, by the way, if he wanted to chase a, a career in professional football, would have certainly had a chance. I believe he was Mr. Basketball and Mr. Football in the state of Minnesota, just an outrageously that's, good athlete.
0: I mean, he was just. That's right. He was a he was a dual threat quarterback in high school. Mr. Basketball in the state of Minnesota, Mr. Football in the state of Minnesota.
1: Yeah. Big time stuff there. So um, he was also on our list of top 101 players. I would expect that Kispert, Ayayi, Timmy are a clear one, two, three. And then Suggs, if he can be nearly as important as the other three by the time we get to February, then forget about it. It's lights out. Um, you mentioned that few could retire without ever having missed the NCAA tournament. That's obviously on the table. And while, I mean, I didn't even think about that before we started the podcast, but he's clearly going to set a record to that point with that many appearances without missing. If he does it, I would think that there's never been a coach that's made at least five NCAA tournaments that didn't miss at least one of them, if you get what I'm saying here. Like, you know, Mike Krzyzewski hasn't been there every year since he's been a head coach. Tom Izzo hasn't been there every year since he's been a head coach, but he has done it every season that we've had in an NCAA tournament since 1998. So Izzo is pretty close. Self has made it, I think, most years, but Bill Self wouldn't have made it, I guess, early on when he was at Tulsa, and then he was also at Oral Roberts. So I think that he missed, I'm checking it right now, yeah, he never made it to Oral Roberts four years, missed it his first year at Tulsa, Bill Self has made it every year since 98-99. But Mark Few's done it every single season. He's been a head coach, so he's in uh, he's in distinct, singular company by himself, which is super impressive there. Um, Gonzaga is going to start like this with its schedule, again, if we can get to these games and there aren't pauses and cancellations and postponements. Kansas on November 26th, down in Florida, Fort Myers, then Auburn, that's already a predetermined matchup. It's not like the, uh, the Baylor, Arizona State, Boston College, Nova situation that I'm going to have at Mohegan Sun. These are predetermined matchups, so it will be Kansas, Then it will be Auburn, presuming that Bruce Pearl has found his way back to his house and isn't still stuck on the side of the road like we saw him on draft night. And then you will have, uh, I guess, a little bit of a break there, and they'll have Baylor in Indianapolis. They've got some other smaller teams mixed in that they want to play. Does Gonzaga, so, you know, they're there. We'll see if they can play them, but in terms of the the teams that matter, they've also got Iowa on December 19th, and then mixed in. I know they've got a home game against Southern on December 10th, but Kansas-Auburn, Baylor, Iowa are the big ones there for the the Zags who have scheduling flexibility because WCC plays only 16 league games. And it only plays 16 league games because, let's be clear, Mark Few and Gonzaga only want to play 16 league games. So if that's going to be the case, that they run that league, that's what's going to happen there. And because of that, Gonzaga also has more scheduling flexibility, truly than any team in America. I mean, any team in America, because Gonzaga operates, obviously, as it should, like a top 25 program. It has a very healthy budget. Flies charter, flies private. If it wants to be able to schedule a non-conference game at the drop of a hat on December 17th because it, it needs a game and there's another team that wants it, I know that Mark Few will be willing to do that. So just keep an eye on that. You've got the preseason number one team in Paris's poll. They're also number one in the AP Top 25 for the first time in school history heading into a season, and Few is not going to let this team waste away opportunities with games. So if we do get to a situation where... You see teams, as I expect, across the country picking up games from a regional perspective because it makes sense if you have an opening another team has an opening and it's a set, it's a 70 minute drive or it's a 25 minute drive that's going to happen. Gonzaga might be different in that it doesn't have a lot of schools in its local area but if it can get another team that's top 50 quality that says if you want to come here out here and play us we'll do it. I think few would be willing to do that and so the schedule we see now with the Bulldogs I believe will be different from the schedule we see once they get to the start of the NCAA tournament and that could wind up really benefiting them when it comes Comes to just like Baylor, comes to their resume because they want to load up on as many good opponents as possible. So, if and when they lose some of them, again, they have good non conference scheduling insurance because Gonzaga needs it a lot more than Baylor does in the Big 12.
0: Yeah. And few has never been shy about just getting on the plane and going. Like, I've talked to him about it before. He's like, it's a chartered plane. Like, what does it mean? What's the big deal? <laughs> He's like, because I talked to him one time about. I don't know this road trip as opposed to one road, tri- another road trip. And he was like, you know, in, in, once you're in the air, it's 45 extra minutes, like who, who it's not a big deal. And so uh, Gonzaga has forever been willing to travel. Um, they're, they're, they're happy to do it. Uh, you mentioned Jalen Suggs. He is the five-star guard, highest rated recruit in Gonzaga history, ranked 11th in the class of 2020, according to 24 seven sports. Uh, like we said, dual sports star, uh, Mr. Basketball and, and Mr. Football in the state of Minnesota. Are you concerned about turning over the the turning giving hand in the keys to a number one team in America to a freshman point guard? Although it should be noted, it, part of the reason they're the number one team in America is because of Jalen Sucks.
1: You're right. Um, concerned <sighs> Uh, I, how much is he going to have the keys is my question. You know, he's obviously going to be a starter and I, I think that he's going to be, again, probably the fourth most important player on that roster, but it's not like they don't have enough around him. Like I don't expect that few and that staff are going to rely upon Suggs to be the, the ultimate playmaker, the guy that's going to have to, you know, create, create, and then everyone else kind of has to fall in line. Aaron Cook, Redshirt senior is obviously going to uh, be a factor there. Ayayi, I mean, he's 6'5", 180. I, I would think that he's also going to be, uh, you know, a, a guiding force in that backcourt. And Kispert is a true wing, don't get me wrong, but I actually think if Kispert wants to be handling the ball to a certain extent, you're going to have that as well. So I'm, I'll i be intrigued to see on a game-by-game base with, with Gonzaga what exactly is going to be happening there um, because, you know, uh, asking Suggs to just go up against Kansas right away and be the predominant distributing guard in that situation, I just don't feel like it's going to be completely that right off the bat. I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm just not, uh, I'm just not seeing it that. I do want to add one more person into this, by the way. Um, uh, Omar Balo, he's a he's a redshirt freshman. We mentioned him. You mentioned him on a previous podcast. I can't remember under what terms. He is expected. He'll be a, a solid piece this year, but he is the kind of prospect that in two years, he might just become, you know, he's he's a seven-footer, redshirted last season. He, just could, he might just have the physicality uh, and the size to just become an NBA pick there. So, the, again, like we haven't even got to guys that could really make an impact and make a difference there. He's another one to keep an eye on. I, I like, I'm I'm kind of with you, man. Like, I, I I don't see why they're not going to be the best offensive team in the country. And then defensively, I mean, Tilly and Petrushev were not elite, obviously. They were 43rd in the country last season was Gonzaga. I think they're going to be better than that. And if they're going to be better than that, then they're, they're going to be better than they were last season. I mean, number one, I've got Nova, but Gonzaga's not that far behind. I mean, that's, I would go Gonzaga 1, Nova 2, Baylor 3.
0: You know, you mentioned Gonzaga could be um, the best offensive team in America. If they are, it'd be the third straight season they've been first in offensive efficiency two straight seasons with completely, uh, largely different teams, which is, you know, a testament to what Mark and his associate head coach Tommy Lloyd, everybody there, is doing with that program. Uh, With Suggs, you mentioned. Freshman point guard going up against Kansas early. How about freshman point guard going up against Marcus Garrett early? Like mm-hmm. that gets real tough, real tough. Um, but if you're a Gonzaga fan worried about this, how about this? In recent years, we have watched teams win national championships with freshman point guards. Now it, there was a long gap where it didn't happen. I think Mike Bibby, in 97 did it in arizona and then it didn't happen again i don't believe until trivia time why not impromptu trivia time okay here we go
1: last time a freshman point guard led a team to a national championship
0: no but but yeah we'll get there okay okay so 97 mike bibby leads arizona freshman point guard he and i shouldn't say leads mike bibby is a freshman point guard on a team that wins the national championship at Arizona right. it didn't happen again a team won a championship with a freshman po- pri- a freshman point guard like primarily actually I think I might have screwed up this trivia tie. <laughs> that's okay roll
1: with it now roll okay. with it what do we got okay. here okay guide me okay. down that path you just guess and then
0: and then we'll debate what just popped into my head
1: I mean, my my initial guess is Chalmers in Kansas, but I, but what do what are you thinking here?
0: Well, Chalmers was not a freshman. What are you talking? I'm about?
1: trying to rem- I'm trying to remember. Oh, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> the guy who can't remember ninety percent of things right now. <laughs> um, geez, not early two thousands. No, no, no. You got me. Well, what are we thinking?
0: Okay, my original answer for this trivia time was going to be. Kentucky, 2012, Marcus okay. Teague.
1: But he was a sophomore.
0: No, 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 no. He was a freshman? Yeah, he was a one and done.
1: I, I'm pretty sure Chalmers was a freshman and Teague was a freshman, actually.
0: <laughs> You're wrong about everything. And then, how about this, Gonzaga fans? It happened again, 2015, Duke with Tyus Jones. Yes. Now, here's sure. my question. There we go. Syracuse, 2003. McNamara, correct. Yes. Uh, so that's the one I think I was leaving out.
1: Yeah, yeah. So there, yeah. Okay. And McNamara, I mean, he would don't, he he was lighting it up, but he was the point guard. So so there we go.
0: Hey, know. So, so, hey, oh, we're
1: oh. we're getting loose on a Friday afternoon. What do you want from us? Here?
0: Okay. <laughs> it, uh, so so it's not common to win a championship with a freshman point guard, but it it does happen. And if you're going to try to do it, maybe having a projected one and done lottery pick like Jalen Sugg—that's that's that's the approach. Oh, Derrick Rose didn't win a title, but was within seconds uh dozier for the championship was that's all it would have taken was robert dozier hitting a half-court shot and derrick rose would be added to that list so um in recent years you, you teams have been awesome with freshman point guards perhaps and you and i both believe gonzaga will be the next Ah, uh, real
1: quick, we didn't do a, a West Coast conference, a conference pod, uh, or anything like that. But I do want to mention that Gonzaga is going to be really, really good again, and it's going to be fr- <laughs> it's going to be frustrating as ever for some fan bases in the WCC because I actually think the league is going to be better this season. I think Saint Mary's. San Francisco and BYU all can be in the NCAA tournament conversation, and then Pepperdine probably won't, but Pepperdine very well could have the best non-Gonzaga player in the league. And Colby Ross, he's a senior, uh, he's a senior point guard who is considered just like an outright stud. So that's kind of cool. What uh, what Lorenzo Moramar's got there. Them, San Francisco's got a really good three-guard attack. St. Mary's has Malik fits back. They lose Jordan Ford. I think they're going to take a little bit of a step down. And then BYU, they were 13th at Ken Palm last season. They're not going to be, I don't think, nearly as good this season. Losing Hawes and ULA Childs, and Jake Toulson is obviously significant there. They bring in Matt Harms. He'll be an important piece. But as we discuss Gonzaga and what I think will be another conference championship for them. I'm not convinced that even though they're going to be really really good, they're going to be able to to go undefeated or maybe even one loss in the league. I just think you know, those four teams, St. Mary's, San Francisco, BYU, Pepperdine, I think those four teams if they get both home and road venues, Gonzaga could get picked off once or twice in that conference and if that happens, uh, it makes what they're able to do in non-conference all the more important.
0: We haven't spent much time on Corey Kispert. He is the leading returning scorer on this team. uh, 13.9 points, 4.0 rebounds, 2.1 assists per game last season. He's a 6'7 senior, entered the NBA draft, 2020 NBA draft, withdrew from the 2020 NBA draft, shot 47% from the field, 44% from three, 81% from the line last season. Uh, Like I said, led the team in scoring. Also led – he's the leading returning scorer from that team – but he did lead that team in minutes played. Got 26 points in a win over North Carolina. Um, I think he's a legit NBA prospect. Like, I, I don't know that he would have been picked in the 2020 draft, second round, if at all, but I could envision a scenario where he shoots, if he shoots, you know, mid-40s from three-point range again on a legit national title contender, I could envision a scenario where you look up 2021 NBA draft and Jalen Suggs gets picked and and Corey Kispert also gets picked.
1: Agreed. Uh, I think that is going to happen. He's. I think he's going to even expand his game all the more. Uh, we did get a little bit of feedback that we might have been overrating Kispert on the whole, uh, both as an All-American and our top 101. Listen, open to all uh, speculation and criticism. Uh, there's no doubt about I'm not, it.
0: I'm not open to criticism. Okay,
1: well, you <laughs> know. I rank 68 programs uh, 101 players, 357 teams. I' just I've been taking it from all angles including including from a few coaches who were about a week behind two weeks behind the curve on our top 101 players and then either family members or staff members found them and they've been playfully calling to uh to give me grief over this so uh I just at this point I just I just straight up expect it but I do think Kispert's gonna be one of the 10 best players in college basketball or so and my favorite thing about Corey Kispert little little off the court for you huge huge Calvin and Hobbs fan big time you know what to me all-american right there Calvin and Hobbs you're cool in my book
0: on our uh, top 101 players list, uh, I, I would see, in the, uh, you know, there are fans from every, lots of schools would say, well, what about this guy? What about this guy? And there was one fan and he tweeted me about this player. And he was like, are, did you, just be honest, did you forget about this player or are you just lazy? And I saw the name and I was like, I did forget about that player. And I was like, maybe that player does actually belong. This might be, we might've just missed on this one because it's four of us doing that list. We don't really, you know, somebody thinks of somebody. And I was like, I think this is somebody we just. I
1: know. Let's not say the player who it was. I know who you're talking about. He was under consideration and he certainly uh, could prove us wrong, but I was comfortable with him not being on the list.
0: Okay. So when I saw the name, I was like, this is probably somebody that belongs on the list. We might've just, it's one thing if we are just wrong. But this was, a a, in my mind, in that moment, it was a case of we just forgot about him. So I texted his coach, and I said, hey, should we have put this guy on this list? He's like, absolutely not. He does not deserve to be on that list. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah, the coach was like, listen, I I love going to bat for my guys, but he does not belong on that list. I was like, okay, good. I feel better now for forgetting about him. So that list always creates some interesting uh, conversations. Uh, Go back to Drew Timmy real quick. Um he only averaged 10 points, five rebounds in 20 minutes a game last season. And yet when Philip Petrushev, when it was made clear, he's not coming back to Gonzaga because he signed an overseas deal. In my communication with the Gonzaga staff, it wasn't like they were glad to see him go. Nobody would be glad to see him go, but they weren't that, it was like, we'll be fine. And it was because of Drew Timmy. Like I get the sense that, you know, Petrushov took 11 shots per game last season. I, I think Timmy's going to get all those shots. He's he just, it, 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 they'll play differently because Timmy's a different player. I think, I, I'm hesitant to say better, though, but he might, more versatile, different, more versatile. He can dribble, pass, shoot. And I I won't be surprised if he gets every bit of the scoring opportunities that Petrushev got and takes advantage of them at a similar if not better rate he's a former top 50 prospect class of 2019 had some really nice moments last season and I just I was struck by how unconcerned people around the Gonzaga program were with Petrusia leaving because they knew all it would do is open up a bigger opportunity for Drew Timmy and they think he's ready to do it
1: I think he is too and that puts a bow on it, man. Top ten countdown, got it done. Conference previews. We're heading into a weekend. Season starts next week. I sat in a car for five hours and twenty minutes today to get a COVID test because I gotta go. I gotta produce a negative because the plan is for me to go to Mohegan Sun for a few days here and uh, and cover those games. And so, both Mohegan Sun and CBS protocol, I gotta get a negative. I, I didn't. I did not think I'd be in a car for five hours and twenty minutes today, but I'm doing it. So we can finally uh, give some more reporting. This might be the only games I attend before the tournament. So I'm I'm ready, man. I mean, this we are for those that were waiting on this Friday pod. By the way, like. That's the reason why it showed up in your phone like six hours later yes. than we wanted it to. We would have gotten it to you earlier. I called Parrish at like 9.15 Eastern and be like, dude, I got to try and get this done. Hopefully I can make it happen in an hour and a half. Uh, not even close. And you know what the reason is? We can get out of here real quick. But um, it's because rates are spiking, obviously. And then this is bumped right up against Thanksgiving. And so uh, the theory is that a lot of these people are just trying to get a COVID test now so that they can be negative And then they can have a peace of mind about going and spending it with 14 family members. Not exactly ideal there, but that's worsening the situation. So to anyone that might be listening to this podcast while waiting in line to get a covid test, we feel for you. Season starts 5 days, we're almost
0: there. In uh other podcast covid news, my wife, who once sat in a car line for a covid test for 6 hours, is now out of isolation, came out of isolation this morning. I'm in heaven. Yes. I told my kids, I don't want to see you guys for at least 48 hours. I need some alone time after the stressful past couple of weeks. But she is doing better. She is out of isolation, just in time for the season to get started next week. That's wonderful. Bye.
1: I just want to say, you you powered through. Ooh, because. <laughs> You are not the rock of that family. Everyone knows. Shouts to Kelly. Wonderful. Here she's doing better and that she's out of isolation. You can actually be a full on family again. And to everyone that has enjoyed the past two weeks of worth of podcasts, if you've enjoyed it, please rate, review, five stars, nice comments. The juggling act that Parrish had to pull off to get these podcasts done on a daily basis was absurd. Please reward us with nice things. We appreciate it. And we'll continue with three times a week now. We are now on the the doorstep of the season, so we gave you a whole bunch on a daily basis, but now we're going to go to our regular in-season schedule. We'll start three times a week, and I believe the plan is to have something for you guys on Monday that kind of sets the table for the season. I got a few good nuggety things I want to drop on GP when we have that podcast, but, uh, yeah, three times a week starting next week.
0: I'll tell you a real quick story, and then we'll get out of here. Something I noticed this morning my little guys were playing in the backyard on their playground and running around and stuff and uh, my 4-year-old like it, it, it he cries 7 times a day cuz he got a 6-year-old brother who just like plays rough with him and he just constantly gets hurt so he starts crying my wife was sitting on the couch right by the back door and he's crying and he's coming inside he walked right past her and was like daddy daddy i hurt myself he this is how quickly young people adapt he would under normal circumstances up until two weeks ago he would immediately just run right to mom but he she's been out of sight so long that his instincts are now to it's daddy everything he he had totally forgotten that you could ask mom Mm -hmm. or or seek comfort from mom because she has been out of their life for the longest period of time that she's ever been out of their life, and hopefully for the longest period of time that she ever will. So, yeah, yeah things are good. Things are looking up. Finally. Fingers crossed. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M. F. And Teagle. Legend, Chester Lard. Now, thank you guys for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. Like Nortlander said, please go subscribe if you haven't already. And either way, we'll talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care.